Well, I know that some of you might have been confused with the whole glasses thing, because usually when I'm not, when I'm up here, I'm I'm not wearing glasses. Um, I do have glasses, but they're from distance and and not for for reading, and so that's why I'm not wearing glasses this morning. Um, and it's also for me not to see the clock in the back, because I don't I don't like to see the clock because it tells me when I should be done and. And I like to live in grace, that I can go on forever, right? All right, thanks, Alyssa. Um, Would you please stand as we read from our text from the book of Ephesians this morning? Ephesians chapter 4, verses 17 through chapter 5, verse 2. We read in our Savior's name. Now this I say and testify in the Lord, that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do, in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, due to the hardness of heart. They have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to the practice, every kind of impurity. But that is not the way you learned Christ, assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus, to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self, created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, having put away falsehood, Let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands, so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as to good for building up, as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children, and walk in love, as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Thus ends the reading of God's word to us today. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, We thank you for this day. We thank you for this opportunity to gather together to worship you, to hear from you about your word and what it says to us. And Father, as we gather together, you transform us. You make us more like yourself, that we might be imitators of you. And then as you transform us, you send us out into the world with the good news of great joy that is for all people that Jesus came and gave his life as a ransom for many, so that all people might come to know you, 
to, my, to come to hear the truth of Jesus Christ. It's in his name that we pray. Amen. Please be seated. You know, walking around in darkness is a very dangerous thing. When you're walking around in darkness, you can't see anything that is in front of you, and you can't see where you're going. Have you tried to walk around the house in the middle of the night? There have been many times in which I have run into a coffee table or a door. We've got knots on our head, scratches on our legs, bruises on our knees. For the simple reason, we have no idea where we're going. And yet we read in our text today about the Gentiles who were once walking in light, but now they are living in darkness. And now, because they are living in darkness, they walk in the futility of their minds. And why is that? Because they have no idea where they're going or what's in front of them. They are now alienated from God because of their ignorance that is in them due to the hardness of their heart. They started to practice the ways of the world. They practiced sensuality. They did whatever felt good to them. They were greedy to practice every kind of impurity. They wanted to do anything and everything that was not right in God's eyes. They were corrupted by their deceitful desires. They did what they wanted when they wanted it. But Paul reminds the Ephesian church that they don't have to live this way. That they don't have to live in that old self. Or what we might call the old nature. Or the sinful nature. But because of Jesus Christ, we have this new self. And we can live in this new self as we are renewed in the spirit of our minds. Romans 12 says that we are transformed. We are made anew by the renewing of our minds. And that that is our spiritual act of worship. And in the renewing of our mind, we are created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. And this takes place in the sanctification work of the Holy Spirit. Sanctification is being made righteous, being made holy. And there is an already not yet dynamic to this. We have been declared righteous. We have been made holy. But God continues to make us holy. For we are not perfect yet. And because we are sanctified and are being sanctified, 
we are then able to be imitators of God. As the Gentiles were walking in darkness and were alienated from God, they were not walking in truth. And those who were connected to God were walking in the truth and were being renewed. And as a result, were able to be imitators of God. But being an imitator for, of God was not and is not for self, salvific purposes. Well, what do you mean by that? It is not that your salvation, it is not your salvation that is dependent upon imitating Jesus. You cannot be saved by your own doing. That is because of Jesus. But you are imitators of God so that you might shine your light that people might, be, might give God glory. And chapter 5 verse 2 says, Be imitators as beloved children. Well, we are able to be imitators because we are beloved children. Aren't children a reflection of their parents? Yes, both good and bad at times. I spent a number of years living with my parents. And because of those years spent with them, there are a number of things that I do that came from being with them, living with them, and watching them. Alyssa before mentioned these gestures that I do. And there are also some sounds and responses, or whatever I might do, is a result of being and living with my parents. And when those people that have seen me and know my parents see some of these gestures or sounds or responses, they know where they came from. So if you don't like my gestures, you got somebody else to blame. No, that's, I'm sorry. And I know when, I when my parents watch Facebook later, I'm going to get a phone call right afterwards too. But they know where they came from. They've seen them before. They've seen my parents before. And isn't it the same way with God? If we had spent time with God and we know God, we are in his word, we act in ways that only come from God and are of God. Galatians 5, verses 22 and 23, talk about the fruit of the Spirit. Yes, talking about love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. These aren't things that we can show by ourselves, but we need the Spirit who lives in us to be able to show the fruit of the Spirit. It is because of God in us 
that we are able to exhibit the fruits of the Spirit. In this, as we know that God dwells in us, we are also given a warning not to grieve the Holy Spirit, not to deny Him, and to deny Jesus in our need for Him as we are continued to be made more like Him. And so, because of Christ and who He is, what he continues to do in us, are we able to be imitators of God? So what does it mean then to be an imitator of God? It means speaking truth with your neighbor. Verse 25 says, Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor. For we are members of one another. It is speaking truth rather than telling lies. Yes, even those white little ones. Telling those white little ones means sometimes sparing someone's feelings. You know, those times in which your spouse asks you, How do I look today? It's not always comfortable to say, yeah, you don't look so good. Though my wife already told me that she looks better than I do, so. Listen, you're on the right track, I guess. It is also speaking absolute and objective truth. Now, this is the truth that is undeniable, irrefutable, that has lasted the test of time and is a truth that is found outside of yourself. A truth that you can only find in his word. And not, taught, and not speaking of subjective truth. A truth that is debated. A truth that is opinion-based. A truth that is based on what you think. And what you think is true. It's a truth that doesn't always make you look good in front of your neighbor. It's a truth that your neighbor might not want to hear. Especially as you tell them the truth about who Jesus is and what he has done for them. Sometimes it's a truth that brings correction. It helps us see what we've done in our need for the Savior. It's not being a false prophet who tells us what we want to hear or makes, us, or it makes them look good. Don't we tell our kids that it's better to tell the truth for doing something wrong than it is to lie about it so that they don't get in trouble. We say that, don't we? Why do we say that? Because we know the consequences of lying. It causes friction. It causes distrust. 
in the child-parent relationship. And so does lying to our neighbor, our friends, maybe our church. It creates this barrier or wall in our relationship. It puts a wall between us and them and us and God. But we are able to tell the truth because the truth is in us. It also means that you can forgive as you have been forgiven. What happens when we're unable to forgive? Well, verse 26 warns us not to let the sun go down on our anger. It affects us physically. Have you ever stayed up all night thinking about what somebody had done to you? You don't get much sleep, do you? You're cranky the next day. Or crankier the next day. Verse 29 talks about corrupt talk that comes out of your mouth. We start talking badly to, to one another. Walls go up with that. It affects our relationship. Verse 31 talks about bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and slander. Malice. All those affect us spiritually and mentally. All these things affect us relationally. It leads to a tearing down of a relationship rather than bringing restoration. It tears one down rather than building one up. The only thing that it really builds is a wall. What does it mean then to be forgiven by God? All of our sins, all of our actions, all of our words, all of our deeds have been forgiven. We are found right by God. You were once separated by God, but now your relationship with him is restored. It is as if you had never done anything wrong. And so the disciples asked Jesus, how many times do I forgive my friend? Well, Peter was asking, well, should, I, should we forgive until the number of vengeance? Okay, should I forgive my friend seven times? And then after seven times, he's going to reap what he sows. But the Lord replies by saying 70 times seven. Or he gives them a number just too many to count. Well, think about it this way. How many times has God forgiven you today? How many times has God forgiven you this week? Or this year? This decade? This century. As God has forgiven us, 
we can also forgive one another. You know, there was an employee that just got a promotion. And hey, I, we all like promotions, don't we? Well, with this promotion, one of the perks was being able to park in a designated parking spot. And this was important to the employee because before this, he had to park on the far side of the parking lot. And he especially didn't like it when it was raining. And even more so when it snowed. But now he had his parking spot. And wouldn't you know it, the first several times that he went to park in his spot, somebody else was there. This frustrated the employee to no end. And every night he would go home to his wife to complain that someone else was in his spot. What does his wife say? Well, just go talk to the person who is parking in your spot. But it was a CEO. Yeah? You were probably groaning just the way that he was every time he saw that, that car. The employee thought that the CEO would not like what the employee had to say. So after a while, the employee decided to park in the CEO spot. Well, hey, if the CEO isn't going to use it, I'm certainly going to use it. Well, the CEO ran late one day, and it was probably the, the, the worst storm they had in years. And so the, employee, the, the, the CEO was running late, but someone else's car was in the employee's spot. So the, the employee just thought that the CEO had a rented car, and he parked in the CEO spot. But not too long after he got inside the building, the CEO arrived. And then after the CEO arrived, there came a message over the loudspeaker. But the person with the license plate, FGH498, please move your car. This enraged the employee. He knew it was his car, and it was parked in the CEO's spot. Now he would have to move his car to the other side of the parking lot and walk through the monsoon. When he got back, the CEO called him into his office and told the employee not to park in his spot again. Then the employee then turned to the CEO and said that he wouldn't if the CEO wouldn't park in his spot. Yeah, that's probably not something that would be encouraged to do, right? Then the CEO 
said that if you would have let me know earlier, I would have moved my car to my spot. But because I had your position before we both got promoted, I got used to parking in that spot. And it wasn't until this morning that I realized I was parking in someone else's spot. Did you hear the graciousness of the CEO? He didn't fire him on the spot and basically said, look, we could have dealt with this a while ago. A single conversation and forgiveness could have relieved the employee from his continued anger. And he could have gotten his parking spot a little bit earlier. And so let us forgive one another as God has forgiven us. Lastly, it means you can walk in love. The Bible tells us to love one another as I have loved you. Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. In this we see that God's love is self-sacrificing. Jesus gave up his place in heaven to come to earth as a baby and then die on a cross so that people like you and me would not have to suffer death, that we would not have to suffer eternal separation from the Father. He did this because he loves you. Love is also being devoted to, being devoted to one another. Jesus was devoted to the Father. When Jesus was praying in the Garden of Gethsemane, he said that if you are willing, take this cup from me. In other words, he's saying if you are willing to not let me suffer the consequences of the sin of the world and to die on the cross, I'm okay with it. But then he said, let it not be my will. Father, don't do this because I want it to be done. But let it happen because... It's okay with you. As we know that Jesus did indeed die on a cross to, to cover the consequences of our sin, that we might be forgiven. Jesus is devoted also to us. He knew that he was going to be the sacrifice for all people once and for all. There was nothing that anyone else could do for the salvation of all people. He was not going to let us die. And there will also be a time in which he will stand up for us. When we leave this earth and appear before our creator, we might be asked by God why he should let us into heaven. But Jesus will intervene for us. 
He will say that we are part of his family. That we are the reason that he died on Calvary. His devotion to us is unending. Do you know anyone who has devotion like Jesus? And yet we are able to love others as Christ loved us. Now, does this mean that we'll die for the world? No, we can't. Does this mean that we might die for someone else? Probably not. But it might mean putting away our own desires for the benefit of others. It might mean putting the care and concerns of others before our own. And we are able to show our devotion to others, to the Lord, by continuing to meet together on Sunday. We might be able to show that devotion by praying for one another, being in a life group together. And sometimes it just means being uncomfortable so that others may hear the gospel. We are able to love each other because Christ first loved us. Gentiles once knew where they were headed, but then they got lost. They got lost in their sin and followed the ways that led to destruction. They lived in darkness. They lived according to what they desired from themselves. They didn't care to hear from God and what he had to say. They ran from him. But as Paul told the Ephesians, we don't have to live this way. God has given us a new nature. He has given us a new way to live. And as we continue to be renewed by his spirit, our lives are transformed and we become more like Jesus. We have been given a new nature, a godly nature, that we may be able to live in Christ as one. For God has not given to us a, for, for God has given to us a spirit of unity as we continue to be renewed in his image. And we are able to be imitators of God as his beloved children. Praise be to God. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, we thank you for this day. And Father, we thank you for remaking us, renewing us, making us more like our, yourself. For it's in you that we have life and have life eternal. And Father, help us to live as children of light. Help us to be imitators of God. Not that we might show and approve ourselves to you, but that we may show the light of Christ in us. And Father, we just pray that if there's someone who is listening on Facebook, YouTube, or on the phone, or, or is in person today, Father, that they might know, not know you, that they might come to know you today that they might come to know Jesus as the Savior of the world. 
And Father, as we go out into this world, as you have already and are transforming us, may we be imitators of God as your beloved children, that people would see Jesus in us. So Father, we thank you for that promise to us today, that you love us, and that you want us to be imitators of you. So Father, we just pray again that you would empower us, that you would lead us by your Spirit in being imitators of the one true God. It's in his name that we pray. Amen.